Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Chris Connolly. And I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Above all, we love bringing librarians and great books together. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Lainey from the Library Love Fest podcast, and we have another great episode of Editors Unedited for you. We are joined again by Lucia Macro, VP and Executive Editor at William Morrow, and she brought us a really fun author to have a great interview. So I'm going to turn it over to Lucia. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be back at Library Love Fest, one of my favorite things to do. We all know how much I love the librarians, and I also know how much librarians love romance. And so I'm so excited to be bringing you Lisa Byrne, who is the author of the Penhallow Dynasty books. And her upcoming book is The Redemption of Philip Thane. It's coming in December of 2021. And Lisa has been called one of the most exciting new historical writers in a long time. And that was from no other than um, Julia Quinn, who, as we all know, is the author of the Bridgerton series. So that is high praise indeed. So Lisa, welcome to the Library Love Fest. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here uh, talking with you, Lucia, and also just uh, talking about uh, my books, other people's books, uh, for an audience of librarians, because uh, libraries and librarians have been so such an important part of my life for as long as I can remember. So thank you so much for having me here. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I would say the same thing. Like we can have a little library, we can have a library love fest moment. I think, you know, when I was a, when I was a girl, I would um, spend large, not a surprise, spend large wads of my time in the library. So much so that. Uh, my family still teases me about it to this day. Uh, and I, I actually read a lot of romances when I, you know, those older romances, um, which may age me a little bit when I was um, lurking in the library shelves. Were, were you the same or did you go did, for more um, for more lofty reasons? <laughs> oh, gosh, no, no, no. no. I, I, spent a, I spent a lot of my childhood in a small town with a one-room library. And I distinctly remember working my way from... Uh, you know, the early readers and then mm-hmm. uh, toward uh, more sophisticated, but uh, sophisticated books and all the way up to, you know, adult novels uh, and everything, including biographies and romance. And I kind of stopped at adult nonfiction uh, that had to wait till I actually, you know, grew to adulthood, but I was just voracious and um, I can summon up in my mind the librarian in this little tiny library, and she was such a seminal figure for me growing up. Um, so my associations with libraries from my earliest age have been one of just abundance and exploration and joy. 
Um, and it, so when we talk about Library Love Fest, it's like, yes, this yes. Is, <laughs> it is a love fest for me. And then, and that kind of brings me to, and, and I promise we will talk about the Penhallows, but I always love to hear how um, romance writers came to romance. And were they, were you influenced by books that you read as a young woman? I mean, I certainly, as an editor was. So I'm always curious to hear, you know, sort of who was your gateway drug in a way? Uh, that is such an easy question for me to answer, which uh, what, what really catapulted me into the realm of historical romance was reading Georgette Hare when I was I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and uh, I, there was a lot I didn't understand, the history and the terminology, um, but the vibe was so glamorous and exotic to me. And uh, the way she uses conversation, you know, which is so sparkling, but there's, uh, there's, there's uh, quite often this erotic undercharge, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, underneath the surface, which just grabbed me and never let me go. Um, but it was a long, long time before I decided to write my own historical romance. And, uh, you know, by that point, I was very much inspired by, of course, Julia Quinn, Loretta Chase, Eloisa, Eloisa James. Um, and, and what got me started was uh, also being a huge fan of Jane Austen, um, trying to write my own Austen fanfic. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of my progression into writing historical romance, uh, loving the genre and being inspired to try my hand at it myself. Mm -hmm. And your your first book for me, You May Kiss the Bride. It's You May Kiss the Bride. That's right. And what that was that the first romance you had written, or had you done enough? Had you done a bunch of books that have not seen the light of day, or at least the light of my day? <laughs> I'm always curious just how people got you know got got right. to the point of publication. Well, I think. In, in, in You May Kiss the Bride, its origins uh, are um, wanting to take Pride and Prejudice, another mm -hmm. gateway sort of mm -hmm. element for me, and to, to take the, it's called the Cinderella story uh, and make it into my own story, but it took a long time mm -hmm. to get to the point where you saw the submission um, because I started out wanting to evoke uh, the the voice and the and the the style of Jane Austen, which is to our minds uh, a little bit ar archaic, obviously. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a very uh, enjoying exercise for me to try to ape how she uses language. But it it I basically I ended up after a few chapters writing myself into a corner because I couldn't sustain that voice. It was too formal. Um, so when I, uh, after really wrestling with it for a while um, and you know, starting over again multiple times, I realized that I, uh, I wanted my voice to be grounded in uh, the, the time period of, of the Regency, but I needed to make it my own. And, I need, and to do that, it had to have a more modern sensibility. And I think once I arrived to that point of like the giant light bulb over my, my head of how I can create a voice that I can sustain across an entire book, that enabled me to, you know, not just start writing, but to actually complete a book. Right. But it took a while. It took a lot it, of... It always takes a while. 
I mean, I, I think the gen, I mean, there is, and I don't think most librarians think this, there is this sort of like common fantasy that romances, people just, you know, like one day you wake up and go, I'm gonna write a romance novel and you do it. And from that, you know, it takes, you know, 10 days. And it, it's it's not, that is just not true. It's, it's a much more complicated process than that. Well, for me, it certainly was. Yeah, I think for many, many, many people. Um, so from that, though, the Penhallows were born, correct? And yes. I, I just sort of, I, I fell in love with that family. I remember, re- you know, it's funny. I do remember reading that proposal. I remember so vividly reading that proposal. And I, because the dialogue was so fun, and I did love this whole idea of the Penhallow dynasty, which I just thought was the perfect name for one thing. Um, so how did you, how did you get to the Penhallows, you know, and who they are and everything about them? Uh, you know, part of part of creating the Penhallow family was frankly pragmatic uh, in the sense of um, hoping to write a series. Um, and 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 so th- that was the, the pragmatic aspect, but the the personal creative aspects had to do with the fact that I love series myself, and I love seeing the interconnectedness of the main characters across multiple books. And uh, it's very exciting for me as a reader to see how characters evolve over time. So uh, the creative excitement was there from the beginning. Um, and as you know, we started out with three um, men, cousins, spread mm-hmm. across Great Britain. And uh, the, the, the premise for those first three books uh, was about men uh, sort of being forced into marriage and the complications that would ensue from that. Um, and, you know, since then, there are uh, siblings and uh, cousins and and. Uh, growing, you know, children who have grown up into adulthood mm-hmm. and having their own stories. So it's just been a really rich playground for me mm-hmm. as a writer. And now we have nine books in the series schedule, which is such a, yes. so exciting to see it's again, so exciting. <laughs> how these characters evolve and grow over time. Could you do a family tree? I asked this because I worked with a, a different author who I will not name. And I had asked her, could you do a family tree? And she was like, no way. <laughs> So <laughs> I I have created trees for my own uh, pr- my own writing process just to kind of see where okay. people are at. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, and I think uh, with with nine books, uh, you know, laid out before me, I think I'm fairly rigorous in keeping track of everything. Um, and I keep saying I need to create a series bible, but uh, again, I think so far I've been able to kind of keep track of ages and locations and relationships, you know, mm-hmm. not, not good on that one. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just always, I'm, I just always find it really fun. Just like, I've been, I've been an editor for quite a long time and I always find it, um, I should just find it fun to see the way different authors work. Some people are very precise and then some people are just like, whatever. <laughs> and it all seems to, it all just works for them. So, the, and which is the important thing. Um, so I thought we would talk a little bit about the redemption of Philip Thane, since he is the next hero in the series. And the book, the book won't be out until I believe December, but never too soon to talk about this and to talk about um, what the next bunch of books, the next bunch of books have a really fun theme. So I'd love to talk about that as well. 
So first, let's talk about Philip and what happens to him. He's he's been a uh, not even a secondary character so much in previous books, kind of a tertiary character mm-hmm. who's flitted in and out, um, and he is a he's a scoundrel. He's he's good looking. He's dashing. He's very bright, but he's he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> and uh, he, kind of is. <laughs> he kind of is a jerk and uh i as a as a as a reader uh as a watcher of film and tv and as an author i love a redemption story um i just think it's one of the most hopeful optimistic mm-hmm. themes uh ever and i'm really inspired um by the notion that people can change change for the better, change dramatically. And so this book was the opportunity to take this awful, you know, charismatic, but basically awful guy and put him through the ringer um, and make him worthy of, of course, the happy ending that was Mm -hmm. inevitably going to be in store for him uh, and how to get. And so the question was how to get from point A of, oh my God, he's a jerk to point, let's call it point C, where he's someone who is, that my heroine could like, could respect, could fall madly in love with. And so um, the, the, the point of inspiration for me was uh, one of my favorite all-time movies, uh, which is Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is also, of course, just one of the most, for me at least, one of the most sort of the funniest, but also very profound stories of change and redemption. Yeah. So that was, that was really the, the, the inspiration and the engine for how Mm. Philip Thane is redeemed. Yeah. No, it's just so fun. (laughs) And they have, you know, I did love how you took some of the elements, uh, you know, you, you, you were inspired by some of the elements of Groundhog Day. They have the, um, Oh, what was it called? You know, it's it's not the groundhog. It's like the dancing the straw bear. That's the straw it. bear. Say, it's the dancing bear. It's the straw bear. He does dance in the story, so you were right. Yes, um, and it was. It's just. It's so wonderful. I I'm also a big fan of that movie, which kind of goes against what I usually like. Like usually, I would get frustrated by a movie like that, but I don't know. There was always something about that that film that just really enchanted me. Well, what was very fun for me creatively is to discover that the straw bear and, you know, the, the agricultural holiday, uh, mm-hmm. which is another one of the plot elements, is, is genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an ancient agricultural holiday in England, and there is a straw bear. Uh, and, and these two elements dovetailed so seamlessly, I think, into, uh, you know, setting up the 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 plot and the repeating element mm-hmm. of the story it's it's grounded in something real which was again creatively really exciting for me yeah was that hard to do the repeating like to make it you know you would have to go in and do the same but different and then keep all like a lot of the smaller nuances the continuity had, was really tricky or probably had, trickier than it seems right I had, I had to be you know meticulous uh but um what was all yes because uh to keep the loops uh mm-hmm. logically progressing um but you had the the just the brilliant just mind-blowing 
suggestion that my heroine, Margaret, have that she has a, a, a growing sense as the story progresses that something curious <laughs> is happening. And again, from a creative standpoint, that was really exciting to wow. give Margaret a more active role in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, I think, signifies that uh, there is a connection between herself and Philip from the beginning, even though at first it's not a very uh, positive one because he is <laughs> he's such, such a jerk <laughs> he is he is such a jerk but, he, um, but, but, he's, but you know bless everyone think oh god I can't read this book he's such a jerk he's he, he, he's so delightful <laughs> so, he, kind he, of, he, a little clueless he, as guys are sometimes he, but you know I think one of the reasons he uh, has succeeded as a, a rake for all these years before the story begins is he's he, he is quite charming Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's attractive. Uh, he's very bright. Um, he's, he's, he's funny. And, uh, so you, I, I hope that I've established that yeah, uh, there is something fundamentally really appealing about him. It's just that his energies are perhaps not really going in the right direction. <laughs> well, I find that that's actually not to get too eggheady about it. I mean, I feel like that, that I, I, and it still might be a problem today that the aristocracy had a, you know, they had a lot just given to them. So in a way they could get away without being very directioned or they could kind of be jerks. Um, they didn't have a lot to, to do unless they wanted to do it. So they could get in and, and do, you know, take care of their land and they could take care of this or they could get into politics or not. Like they could just gamble it all away. And um, I feel like, um, you know, there is an aim, there's, there is sort of an aimlessness still, I think, to some of the aristocracy. This is looking, true. And looking at you, Prince Andrew. Um, yes. Who's so, not I, redeemable, but that's but another, it's another I think, story. I think that's one of, you know, the tasks that I see it for myself as a writer working in this time period is, um, you know, trying to uh, bring myself into that world with some degree of accuracy but mm-hmm. but not leave out a modern sensibility a contemporary yeah. sensibility of you know what does it mean to 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 work what does it mean for you know such people to have a vocation um for example in the the, the book that's out now the worst duke in the duke world, in the world. <laughs> um he is a duke um but I put a lot of care into, you know, hopefully showing really clearly that he works really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he does actually work really hard for uh, for the people of his estate, um, and so I think he's the antithesis in a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 I think in the case of the redemption of Philip Thane, he's sort of quite uh, fully embedded within the aristocracy. Um, and that's one of his actually one of his issues. Um, but it is one of the central questions of the story is what is this man going to do with his life besides, you know, fooling around and gambling and borrowing money from his relatives? Um, you know, what is he going to do with himself? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think, one of the joys of writing this story is, is to take someone who really was just drifting around and to find a purpose in his life. Right. Um, um, and and that was really joyful for me as a writer, um, mm-hmm. bringing him to um, a place of purpose. 
and he gets his purpose. <laughs> that's for sure. After so, after after days. <laughs> yes, after day. it, it takes a long time. It's a while. So tell, give us a hint of of the. You know, we have some we have some books that are um, gleams in our eye, but we but I know you have ideas for them. Um, so tell us a little bit about what's coming next because. I love the theme of the next, you know, there's an overarching like theme within the theme. So yeah, I, I had so much fun uh, being inspired by Groundhog Day. Um, and, um, you know, with, with, so the next three books are also inspired by beloved rom-coms, mm-hmm. um, which seemed like such a, you know, kind of a, such a fertile playground for me. Um, so the one I'm currently writing, which is this book, in the series is based on love actually mm-hmm. um and we a also movie that is very it, it, people will talk about that movie, <laughs> which i think is good i think that's all great you know it's 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 very interesting in the sense that uh love actually has fans who are you know fervent admirers mm-hmm. and there are people who loathe the film and i'm not going to say where which camp i'm in right now because i think i um I want uh, my readers to kind of see if they can suss that out reading this story. Oh, interesting. Okay. And uh, we also have planned um, an historical romance based on The Parent Trap, which as a girl, just an incredibly fun (laughs) and exciting stories. And and having the twins works out fantastically well because in the Penhallow family, as you know, um, there are uh, a couple of sets of twins. Mm-hmm. So there was a kind of an organic way to bring that one in. And uh, the, the, the third story is going to be based on my big fat Greek wedding. Um, a movie I adore. So. It, there, it, me too, because it's, it's got that ugly duckling thing going on, which is a trope yeah. I just love. And I also think there's so much heart in that story. I was just gonna say there's so much heart in that in in that story and in the families, and I just, I just love it. Yes, that, because there's something so ugh, can't describe well, it. And I think that that is a theme from the very first book about about families, and you know, mm-hmm. you may kiss the bride. Um, the hero's family is is fractured, mm-hmm. and it's it's bringing the heroine into that family, which allows it to to heal and, 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 and become a, a, not just a functioning family, but a, a truly, you know, happy and connected family. And that's, that's something which I think every book of mine touches on. Yeah. Um, and um, so the idea of going onto the, into the realm of um, my big fat Greek wedding is exciting to me just to kind of bring the, bring in that theme again. Mm-hmm. Of, of you know in a I mean of course the the love story between the hero and heroine is the central element of the story but uh, I never see them my hero and heroines as living in a vacuum right so the the context of you know family and friends is really important to me as well it's so central to your books that the whole concept of family and I think it's something um, that, you know, in the past year or so has re- really resonated even more so than ever before, um, as we really have spent a whole lot of time with our fa- immediate families, many of us. So. I think, and I also think that, you know, especially, as you say, in this time of, of 
just extraordinary duress. Um, I think it it is really highlighted how crucial it is uh, for us to have connections mm-hmm. and 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 or connectedness is a better way of saying it. Um, and again, I think that's one of the 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 joys of romance novels um, is is you know telling stories of how um, people and you know connect with each other in such a deep way. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, for me, ten, tangentially, um, you know, bringing in the the threads of of, of friendship and and family um, is is just such a joyful thing. You know, it's, you just answered my final question. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you how you feel historical romance really resonates today. It seems, I mean, historical romance has always been with us, but I feel like it's having a little bit of a Renaissance is not the right word, but it feels like it's having a bit of an, a, like some going on with the historical romance. And I think, I mean, I, there was something, I mean, I know some of it, you know, people are saying it's the Bridgerton effect. And sure. people, you know, it was really interesting because even my hairdresser um, was saying, you know, there's this show and it's Bridgerton. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you're like years late to the party, honey. Um, but there's definitely something I think about um, the qualities of historical romance, um, specifically, that people, I mean, you know, there's romance across the board, but I think the historicals are just speaking to people in a certain way, and maybe some of it's the escapism of a Oh, yeah, time. yeah, definitely. That was, that was my thought, which is, uh, uh, it's, you know, wanting to leave behind the, set aside the, just mm-hmm. the well-known uh, angst of the time in which we live, mm-hmm. uh, and submersing, immersing ourselves in a world which, you know, depending on how each author wants to present it, has its own issues. Whether it's just the issues of the couple, or larger social issues, or justice issues, or whatever. Um, but in, of course, there is the the sacred contract between uh, an author and um, the reader in romance historical romance is that there's going to be a happy ending um and you know there's just nothing wrong with uh you know fiction literary fiction with the the unhappy endings uh that can there's absolutely a place for that um but i think there's also a a huge place at the table for the happy ending i agree um i so agree and, and um, to get into a book knowing that it's going to end well, <laughs> so you don't have to, there's a lot of angst along the way, but you, you know, you're going to have, you know, that uplifting feeling at the end. And yeah, to me, that's yeah. always been what's so, so marvelous about, about the romance genre. Completely agree. I mean, I can I, just, I say that as a, not just as a writer, but as a reader, yeah. um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you can go through the ringer in a romance emotionally, but uh, it's it, it's always buttressed by the the, the understanding that everything is going to be okay in the end. And That's great, yeah, yes. So um, redemption of Philip Thane. He definitely goes through the ringer, but <laughs> and I know every everybody is going to be so excited to be along for the ride. Uh, Lisa, this has just been the most delightful conversation. <laughs> Thank you. It's always great to talk and with it, you. Yeah. It will be, you know, I, I just so encourage everyone, if, if they haven't read Lisa's books, to give them a try. And um, 
for librarians. I know your patrons will just adore them. Um, you know, if if someone is looking for a historical romance fix, these these are these are some of the books. We have many wonderful authors, but these are definitely some of the books to, to go for. So, Lisa, thank you for joining us on the Library Love Fest. Like I said, it's it's just been a pleasure. Always. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lucia. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week. Thank you.